business. She tried not to listen in on conversations, something the superintendent, Mr. McQuillan, was still working on with Darcy. The light under the Roswell Hotel socket lit up, and she plugged the pin into it. Number, please. Give me the sheriff's office, please, Beth. Morris Benson, the hotel clerk, requested. Beth plugged the other pin into the socket of the sheriff's office and pulled the lever to ring their phone. She then made sure the lights went off before she answered the next call. When Mr. Church, the general manager, and Mr. McQuillan had started the Roswell Telephone and Manufacturing Company in 1894, there were only 35 subscribers. Beth had been one of the first two operators hired after her ailing aunt, whom she'd come out west to care for, had passed away. The company had grown considerably since it started, and now there were six regular operators and one relief, and about four installers who put up the lines and ran them into customers' homes. Nearby farms and ranches were being serviced now, and long distance to Eddie would be coming in the next year or so, no telling how many more employees there would be in the coming years. She couldn't help but wonder if she'd still be here, if her life kept changing as much as it had in the past year. So much had happened. It was hard enough to believe she'd answered an advertisement for a mail-order bride as a dare, much less that she'd ended up accepting the proposal of the man who'd written back, even before he decided to join her out west in Roswell and start their life together. He'd bought a piece of land, sight unseen, to start a small ranch and had planned on courting her proper while he got his herd started and refurbished the house on the land. Then they'd get married. Barely a month after he arrived, Harlan had been out working with the small herd of cattle he bought for the ranch when a dry lightning storm blew up. Evidently, from what one of the neighbors had said, a bolt struck close and frightened the cattle. Harlan had been caught in the ensuing stampede. Just thinking about it made her shudder. She was so relieved the children had been staying in town with her until Harlan was able to fix up the house and hadn't been there to see the death of their father. Beth still couldn't quite believe it all. Feeling that it was her fault, she wished over and over again that she'd never answered that advertisement, believing that if Harlan hadn't come out here, he'd still be alive. Now, it seemed there was more heartache in store, if she had to give up the children she'd come to love. Darcy showed up to relieve her right on time, and Beth relinquished her spot in front of the switchboard quickly, as they'd been trained to do. Darcy immediately slipped into the chair right behind her and began connecting two lit-up sockets. "'Beth, what's wrong?' Darcy called as Beth pulled on the shawl she'd worn to work and started out the door. "'Oh, Darcy, I'm sorry.' Beth turned back to her friend, realizing how rude she must have appeared, heading out the door without so much as a nod to her. She tried to keep her voice low so the whole office wouldn't know her business, but she knew it was only a matter of time until they did. "'I'm not thinking straight.' Harlan's brother's been found, and Deputy Matt says he'll be here to collect the children in about a week. I just don't know how I'll be able to let them go. Darcy jumped up and hugged her. Oh, Beth, I'm so sorry I dared you to answer that advertisement for a mail-order bride. It's my fault you are so unhappy now. Beth shook her head. No, Darcy, it's not your fault. It's my own impulsiveness that caused my problem. I'd always wondered what it would be like to answer one of those advertisements. It was Harlan's sweet letters that made me begin to care for him and accept his offer of marriage, and I feel to blame. If I hadn't accepted his proposal 
and if he hadn't come out here and been caught in that stampede, you'd be a happily married woman by now, instead of having two children to care for alone. Harlan's death was not your fault, Beth. The switchboard lit up in several places, and Darcy slid back into the chair and hurriedly disconnected two parties and connected two others. Beth sighed. Maybe it wasn't all her fault, but she wasn't sure Darcy's picture of the future would have been true. She'd been having second thoughts about marrying Harlan and had been trying to figure out what to do about it before he died. Now she was just thankful that he hadn't known. She'd been terribly confused about so many things lately, but one thing for certain, she didn't regret offering to keep his children, not for one moment. Lines unlit for the time being, Darcy turned back to her. It might be for the best, you know, Beth. Beth did know many in town would think that. All of her friends thought she was a little daft for taking in Harlan's children. Well, not Emma and Deputy Matt, or Cal and Liddy McAllister. They had been very supportive of her, and she was thankful for that. And she was blessed that she had a home to offer the children. Thankfully, they'd been living with her in the small house she had inherited from her Aunt Gertrude, so there was no need to uproot them after their father's death. She didn't make a lot of money, but the Lord would provide for them. Of that, Beth had no doubt. She'd taken them in, presumably, until Harlan's brother could be found. But she didn't really think he would be, and she truly hoped he wouldn't. Now she had to face the fact that Lucas and Cassie's uncle at least cared enough to come and see his niece and nephew. She would continue to hope that Jeb Winslow would let her have custody of Harlan's children. From what Harlan had told her about his brother, he wasn't the settling-down kind. She was going to hold out hope that maybe, just maybe, he'd be glad to let them stay with her. "'It will all work out, Beth,' Darcy tried to reassure her again. Beth nodded. "'Well, it's all in the Lord's hands now, but I sure hope Mr. Winslow doesn't take them far away. Maybe he'll decide to stay. Mr. Myers, Harlan's lawyer, said he'd talk to him about making out a new will, but of course he hadn't had a chance to get to it with so much to do. His old will appointed Jeb Winslow as the children's guardian. They inherit the land, but he has the say-so as to whether to sell it or keep it for them. I hope he'll settle here so at least I can keep watch over them. The switchboard lit up again, and Beth was relieved not to have to keep talking about it. She waved goodbye and hurried out the door. Jeb dismounted his horse and tied it to the hitching post just outside the cemetery gate, his heart still aching. He'd been riding for several weeks, ever since he received the letter telling him that his brother had died in a stampede, leaving two orphaned children behind. He'd come to take on the responsibility of raising them, even though the very thought of it scared him more than coming face to face with a mother bear. Dear Lord, please help me do it right. You know I know nothing about bringing up children, so I'm just going to look to you to help me. He thought about his niece and nephew. Last time he saw them, Cassie was about four or five, and Lucas was a toddler. Now they'd be about nine and six. Ten and seven? He didn't know. Remorse flooded Jeb's soul. Why hadn't he visited them more often? But no, he'd always had other things to do, other places to go. Why, he hadn't even known Mary died, or that Harlan had decided to move out west until he got the letter telling him his brother had died. 
Jeb figured the Lord must have been guiding that letter through the mail for him to have gotten it at all. It had been to the last two places he worked before the post ever made it to him. He'd only been working at his last ranch up in southern Colorado for little over a year, and that was a long time. His boss had been hinting about making him a foreman, and he was seriously thinking it might be time to settle down. He sure wasn't getting any younger. He still limped from the last time he'd been thrown trying to break a horse, and he didn't seem to be getting any better. Dry grass crackled under his boots until he found the spot he was looking for. Taking off his hat, he knelt down and blinked through the sudden tears that formed on seeing the gravestone bearing his brother's name. Childhood memories came flooding back as he remembered the laughing, teasing, and fighting they'd done in their youth. His timing sure was bad. How he wished he'd gone home for one last visit. But all the wishing in the world couldn't undo the past. He swallowed around the lump in his throat and stood. All he could do now for his brother was to raise his children the best he could. Taking a deep breath, Jeb set his hat on his head and took long strides back to his horse. He mounted and turned toward the main street of Roswell. He had to find his niece and nephew. They were the only family he had left. On the outskirts of town, he noticed a cluster of nice new buildings on North Hill. He'd heard the New Mexico Military Institute had reopened in a new spot just this year, and sure enough, the sign outside the main building proved it hadn't been rumor after all. Funding had closed it down for several years, but he'd seen in a paper where it had been slated to open this very month. As he rode into town and down Main Street, Jeb couldn't help but notice how much Roswell had grown since he'd last been through about three years ago. There were four or five...